This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including Latin 101, Learning a Classic Language. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. So when it comes to Iran and ISIS, the enemy of your enemy is your enemy. Bill, that was my favorite line from Benjamin Netanyahu's speech yesterday. The enemies of our enemies this time really are our enemies. And we understood that when we were fighting uh, Hitler side by side with Stalin. We never (laughs) made the mistake of thinking Stalin was our friend. Does President Obama really believe that Iran can be a friend of the West and the United States? Well, I mean, some people did make the mistake, obviously, of thinking Stalin was our friend. And they were the Henry Wallace types who, at the beginning of the Cold War, wanted to... uh, capitulate, really, to the Soviet Union, and uh, Barack Obama's actually praised Henry Wallace, so he's more in that tradition of democratic foreign policy, unfortunately, than Harry Truman and, and John Kennedy and Scoop Jackson and, and Joe Lieberman. So, um, look, I, I thought what was great about Netanyahu's speech, one of the things that was great about it was you saw a serious person discussing a serious foreign policy issue, walking through the consequences of the deal, walking through the alternative to Obama's bad deal, not this kind of Obama one or two sentence soundbite, uh, glib uh, substitute for real argumentation on foreign policy. I guess I was struck sitting in the gallery watching this, and here's a person, uh, you can disagree with him if you want, but he's actually making an argument. How little have we seen of that from our current president? No, you're absolutely right, and it's uh, distressing if there is an affirmative case for a uh, relieving the sanctions, putting in a timetable. If there's an affirmative case, someone should be making. I thought it was interesting, and I wonder how smart it was politically, Bill, that the Democrats were ready 30 seconds after the applause died down, and the, there was quite a bit of it, coming out cleats high that Netanyahu is a problem. His speech and his activity are destructive to the peace process. The president saying, I dismiss it entirely. I, I don't know that you can get away with that response to a substantive speech. This wasn't just some Yehu shouting out, you know, where's Obama's birth certificate? I mean, this was a serious speech. Is this, I'm trying to figure out the, the political end game for Democrats here. I mean, they've gotten away with this so many times, going back to the Clinton scandals. There's nothing new here. This is just, you know, politics and let us get about our business. It's one thing to try to deflect the scandal that way, and the American public sometimes will go along with that. I do totally agree to do that about one of the most consequential foreign policy decisions uh, we can make as a country, not just for ourselves, but for the entire Western world, civilized world, for the Middle East. Um, I, I can't believe that will work. People like, respect Prime Minister Netanyahu. The polls showed that before his speech. He gave a serious speech. I think maybe his greatest achievement will be to force a real debate in Congress and in the country on Iran policy, more broadly on Middle East policy. I mean, the, the clip we play, the enemy of our enemy is our enemy. That's a He's thinking hard about what do we do about ISIS and Iran? Can't we check them both? Can't we fight them both? We can let them kill each other a little bit, 
But the idea that it's a safe Middle East when one of them uh, or both of them get stronger, Obama's managed to pull off the trick of having both the Islamic Republic and the Islamic State get stronger on his watch. So let's really be serious about what the implications of that are. I thought that was maybe Netanyahu could really be the person, it would be an amazing achievement if he could, who forces the American political system to have a serious debate about this fundamental foreign policy choice. I also thought it was uh, important that he said the alternative is not no deal or this horrible deal. The alternative is a better deal. But are there people in the U.S., Republicans and Democrats, who are willing to now follow up and go out and make the case for what would the future look like if you reject the two straw men that President Obama's offering? Unfortunately, I I don't know who steps up in Bibi's wake to... You to carry that banner and make that part of the debate. Well, the congressional legislation that would require you know, congressional approval of the deal, Lindsey Graham's one of the main sponsors of that. He's been awfully articulate on this. But I do think it's a challenge to uh, Democrats and Republicans, but mostly Republicans, uh, and particularly the Republican presidential candidates. You know, at the end of the day, senators, congressmen, you could become a real leader like a Scoop Jackson on foreign policy. It's pretty rare, though. And basically, voters tend to look to the people who are running for president, for commander-in-chief, for sort of an articulation of a foreign policy alternative to a Reagan, for example, in, in 1979 uh, uh, and 1980. So who is the equivalent there? I guess that, I, if I were running for, or advising a Republican running for president, I would say this is the moment. Give a serious speech. I mean, not, not two minutes or four minutes of a political speech about why you should be the Republican nominee, that's fine. Some of them were good on foreign policy and defense policy at CPAC, for example. But schedule yourself to give a serious speech, and not a, not a tour de raison like Jeb Bush, where you've got you know, three sentences on every part of the world. And I mean, really go through and explain what you would do on Iran. And I think there's a very strong case, Netanyahu laid it out. Uh, you can walk away from this deal, but you can continue negotiations or offer to continue negotiations. You can increase pressure. You can increase sanctions. You can do some sabotage. You can keep the threat of military force on the table. And you can have a serious Iran policy that does not involve war or need not involve war and is less likely to lead to war than this, than the president's Obama uh, uh, Iran policy. But, yeah, it would be really great if some people really stepped up and laid that out in a serious and substantive way. Uh, and one of the people who has kind of g- gotten us into this position was the former Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton. She set the reset button with uh, Russia, and apparently she didn't mention that the underside of that button offered Crimea and part of eastern Ukraine on it. <laughs> and she reset things in the Middle East so that we would stop being the evil, mean-spirited imperialist invaders. And apparently that means that ISIS gets to be the imperialist invaders. And now we find out that she was doing all of this business using her private email account bill and just some uh, breaking news here on the weekly standard podcast at my uh, personal blog michaelgram.com on the blog page uh, i had a computer guy friend a uh, geek friend of mine trace the server that is actually handling the hdr22 at clinton emails site and the server is in the british virgin islands and the server the the company has been identified as one of the 10 worst uh, hosts in the world for scams, malware, and malicious internet content. And this is where Hillary was sending our Libya security reports. And, I mean, she went out of her way to set this up. That, for me, that's the real showstopper. Could people go into government and use their old Gmail account more than they should and forget to transfer stuff over to the government account? And, you know, uh, yeah, that can happen. Right. That can be pretty easily fixed, and that has happened in the past. 
to set up, or you could set up your own private account, of course, for your private emails to your family and friends, and just keep that separate. That's what you're supposed to do, and then use the government email only for government. To, to go out of your way not to have a government email account, and she really had to go out of her way. Uh, Secretary Kerry, John Kerry, took over, and he did exactly what the lawyers and the techies at state presumably told him to do, and he set up his government account, and it was, it was, didn't even think, presumably, about doing something else. The other cabinet secretaries, uh, Lisa Jackson, remember at EPA, she had her own Gmail account and used it more than she should have for government work to try to keep things, some, some things, I think, out of the public eye. But again, she still had the government account. I mean, for Hillary to go to this amount of trouble really is so revealing of the way she thinks or her team thinks about, not about politics, but about this is public service. This is what she claims to be so devoted to. She's very devoted to public service, but she's very devoted to the public not having any access to her documents, to her emails, to all the things that normally uh, are potentially at least public when you're in public service. So I think it's pretty damaging to her. It should be damaging to her, and there are an awful lot of threads still to pull to find out exactly what happened and exactly how this happened and, and, and what regulations. She clearly broke the guidance, uh, ignored the rules that she was supposed to follow, whether she broke the law is, is going to be an interesting question as well. Well, if I were Secretary of State holding that office and I were trying to get a nation that sponsors terror to give a half a million dollars to my personal family right. <laughs> foundation, I would definitely want to share my email server with porn pages and <laughs> illegal Internet gambling as uh, the Hillary Clinton website does. I mean, you add those two together. I'm raising money from the Clinton Foundation while I'm Secretary of State with foreign governments, including those who sponsor terror with. I'm keeping all my emails off the books. I, this is I, mean, I don't even think the House of Cards scriptwriters would have Francis Underwood doing this. No, I agree. And there are all kinds of questions about classification. I think wasn't David Petraeus just pled guilty to right. uh, improperly sharing classified information on, in effect, on a private email account, I think, that he set up. Um, who knows whether that would also apply to Hillary Clinton. I, I think the no, I think this has real, this one could really be big. The media, parts of the media will dismiss it. Oh, it's the Clintons being the Clintons and playing hardball. And, you know, it's an impressive that she was tech savvy enough to set this up in the first place. They can say that, but I, I just think this is, this combined with the foundation, combined with everything else, the speeches even. I mean, she really thinks that uh, she has her own set of rules. And i got to think the American public will say uh, enough of this. It's, again, it's one thing if Bill Clinton is elected, that it turns out he thinks he has his own set of rules in the White House. But for her to do this with malice of forethought, going in as Secretary of State, is so revealing, I think, about the way she thinks about uh, herself and her relation to, uh, you know, really to the public. Yeah, and, and it is interesting, the, the Clintons being the Clintons. I mean, it's kind of like saying, oh, it's just the mafia being the mafia. I don't know that that's a compliment. Yeah, no, I mean, that thing, yeah, I think about this, if you, if, like, you leave office and you kind of milk it and it's unseemly and right. sort of tasteless, or you do certain things in office, let's talk about Bill Clinton, which you certainly shouldn't do, and we probably, you, know, you lie even to a grand jury, but again, ultimately you could say it doesn't really affect the direct uh, you know, performance of his job. I mean, this is so premeditated, I guess, and, and so uh, shows that she's thinking ahead about keeping all this stuff private because presumably she wants to run for president after she's Secretary of State or she wants to raise money for the foundation and not have it be known while she's Secretary of State. I think this takes it to a whole different level. And it, these are not the actions of someone who's serious about running for president of the United States. You put them all together, 
And if I, you know, back from my political flacking days, I would have grabbed my candidate and said, what are you thinking? No, you can't do this. And I think that's why so many people have in the back of their minds, Bill. Yes, I know she's running. But then you think, how can she be running? How you, you just don't do these things if you want to run for president of the United States. You know, it's interesting. I was on the panel the, the afternoon, I guess it was yesterday before this broke. Um, and Monday afternoon, I guess it was, at APAC, two panels on politics and Everyone else on the panel said Hillary, of course, is the inevitable nominee. And I said, I don't know. I just, I just think that if Elizabeth Warren ran, there's so much there to run against Hillary on both in terms of issues from the Democratic Party's point of view, you know, taking the left uh, stance and attacking Hillary, but also just on her kind of character. And I really do think, I think Elizabeth Warren is crazy not to run, really. I mean, she, this is her one chance. She presumably thinks she has an agenda for the country. I guess she thinks she's up to being president. Uh, why wouldn't she, honestly? She's as qualified as Hillary Rodham Clinton. And I, I think she could have a chance to beat Clinton. I really think, um, I really wonder, she's got to be rethinking this, I mean, deep down. And um, I think the, the whole Clinton inevitability thing may be about to crack. Uh, one last question for you, Bill. Did you use a personal or government email when you were in the government? This is, of course, just designed to elicit how long ago I was in the government. <laughs> word email didn't exist but we were you do get all these briefings of course when you go in about keeping records and not right. mixing up your private and stuff and anything you do obviously you make a phone call at home you know you you can't you got to do that like in the old days before uh, all this other stuff you know you you, you do government work at, at nine o'clock at night if someone called you on your home phone line but in terms of records in terms of documents in terms of letters uh, if you wrote something at home you would make a copy and put it in your files i mean it, People are pretty scrupulous about this. They'll make mistakes, and there'll be stuff at the margins that they, they don't put in the files, or they, you know. But, but this is not at the margins. This is an absolutely cent- effort central to her holding of office to keep things private and to, to treat her being a cabinet secretary different from the way all the others did. I mean, this would be interesting. Let's go ask every other person who was cabinet secretary in the Obama administration. And I bet they all more or less followed the standard procedures. So she really thought she was a, you know, it really was a law unto herself. And again, I, I think that is what the problem is, not that she you know, didn't do X or forgot to do Y. The whole thing is a conscious effort to evade public accountability. So just to be clear, not that you served in government a long time ago, but you always use the official government telegraph outside in the hall rather than your personal telegraph Absolutely. in your office. Absolutely, and I, re- I reimbursed the government for the horse and buggy when I took it to personal, you know, to, to, to fund, to, 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 to forge theater for, 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 uh, for plays. <laughs> Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. In my pleasure, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.